The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode. I mean, it just kind of makes sense, right? Uh, of Retro Pop. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Townsend. I'm joined by my pal, my buddy, uh, my uh, bestest friendish. Uh, I was going to try to use a different language, but then I realized I barely do English. Uh, and his. Yeah, you're pretty. Yeah. Bad. You're pretty rough at it, honestly. <laughs> just be just being kind. Oh, oh, trust me. Uh, <laughs> I understand. I can't uh, can't go against that at all. And it's Mr. Matt Johnson. <laughs> what is up, my friend Johnny? Welcome back. I, you know, you brought this. You told everybody this is the newest episode. I thought this was the oldest episode. Welcome to the oldest episode of Retro Retro Pop. That's what, that's what um, I should have done. Just no, but I'm. <laughs> just everybody's confused as it yep. is uh but no very happy to be with you guys for another week another another episode of retro pop the the home for pop culture talk every other week right here on the network and uh once again just rolling out with the great topics we have a johnny's picked a wonderful wonderful actor and human being to really showcase uh for this week's episode so i'm very very excited to kind of all to get into it and learn a little bit more about our subject matter of the day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We are uh, – well, actually, I pride, our, I pride myself. I'm sure you do too, Matt, that we are a show that can cover a variety of different subject matter and subjects with with our show. And we try to keep people on their toes of what we're going to do next. And uh, today we are talking about Ernest P. Worrell. So let's get into our personal history uh, with the man Ernest. Hey, Bern, look what I found in my daddy's closet. You know, I bet you this is from the big one. You know, WW2. Boy, I bet them were some great times. I know, because I never miss Hogan's heroes on WDBJ7. You know, with Schultz and Hogan and Commandant Clint. Hogan's heroes, weekdays on your hometown station. You know, Bern, this must be some kind of a cigarette lighter. I know nothing. All right, Matt. So this um, this character in Jim Varney, if I'm being purely honest, is one of my all time favorites as a kid. I would actually remember. I have very distinct memories of going to the movie theater to see Ernest goes to jail and Ernest saves Christmas as Ernest scared stupid with my grandparents, and uh, <laughs> that sticks in my memory because you know I, I was very close to my grandparents. So when I got to get to do stuff with them like that, it, it didn't happen all the time. It wasn't like we were made of, of money back then, especially when my, grand, my grandpa was a truck driver. And so it wasn't right. like he was making a ton of money. Uh, so whenever they would want to take, you know, their grandkids out to something, it was a, a huge treat. And we would go to see Ernest movies. And he became such a part of, uh, I guess he really helped shape my sense of humor growing up. Really did. Uh, because I found him to be so funny. I mean, he's honestly to this day, I think he's one of the most underrated physical actors, physical comedy actors ever. Uh, he doesn't get it. I would agree yeah, with he that. Doesn't get, he doesn't get enough that. credit for that at all. And uh, so he became a, a giant, a giant for me uh, when I was a kid. And to this day, I, I love Ernest. I watch literally every year around Christmas. I watch Ernest Saving Christmas. I watch Ernest. Uh, 
going against uh, Halloween and getting scared stupid every year. Uh, those are I have to those are my traditions. I have to watch those earnest movies during those times. So he's still with me. And of course, I mean this is not a spoiler alert and I feel bad saying that for this, but you know, when Jim Varney actually passed away, uh that was probably the first time I remember distinctly remember because I was just coming out of high school uh, that I was actually literally shocked and saddened, like beyond saddened. And I was really literally bummed for days when I heard the news that Jim Varney had passed away. Cause I just, I just love the guy so much. What about you, Matt? No, I, and, and I can see why you would be like that. Right. It's when you, when it comes to the earnest movies, we'll, I'll start off with the earnest movies part. You know, I, I, I did grow up watching them a little bit here and there. My dad loved them. Uh, when he was growing up, he grew up in the, in the eighties and, uh, you know, he witnessed that, and he tried to, inst- you know, he instilled Ernest as best as he could with us when it came to TV movies. When, you know, going to rent movies at Blockbuster, he would go rent an Ernest movie. Um, and most recently, we watched Ernest Saves Christmas one, and it, I, I loved it. It bothered me because my wife, who's like, I don't know, like superficial, and I, I don't know, she's all into like, <laughs> she, she, that's not like her kind of like movie right. or television. She's like, this, this stinks. I'm like. Shut up. <laughs> I straight up had to say shut up. I'm just like, just don't – like, this is – this means a lot for, for me. Like, here my, my my parents are all huddled around. We're watching the TV, and we're watching a good old Ernest movie. And, and while you know, the comedy is, is campy, it, it was aimed for kids. You know, it was it was aimed for kids. Uh, you know, of course, all ages get to enjoy it, like yourself and, and, and me and, and I'm sure many, many others across the world. But uh, there's something very, very just charming about Ernest, the Ernest character. Now, as far as, like, Jim Varney, my earliest impression of him was Slinky. Yes, yeah. Slinky Dog in in Toy Story. Like, like same thing with, like, Don Rickles. And it just, it makes me appreciate the Toy Story movie cast that much more. Uh, But, man, I learned so much today about Varney. And, obviously, the Ernest movies and how it all came about. And I have so much respect. I'll... I'll discuss my takes on that more so when we get into like the closing, like his impact on pop culture and all that. But uh, man, I my respect for him grew leaps and bounds after doing research for this episode. Now, this is a like delightful, uh, like just like I like doing Don Rickles because he's you know just a he's just a jerk in the funniest ways. Yeah. But I feel like Varney's story is more more deserving of an episode, and that's not to take away from Rickles, but. Um, but no, I'm I'm like astounded. I, I really can't wait to talk more about him and uh, his this earnest character that that came from. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into it. Uh, it's it's honestly the fact that Ernest caught on is astounding, honestly. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll get yeah, into it. I I, re- I admire that a lot. Yep, and that's, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that towards the end. Yeah. So here we go. Let's get into the history of Jim Varney and Ernest P. Worrell. Hey, Vern. Where have you been? What you doing in that big time fancy supermarket, huh? It ain't cool, Vern. It ain't convenient either. Know what I mean? You know, Vern, everybody's in there cashing checks. The express lanes backed up way up past ground beef. And you had to park way over there in the lower 40. Know what I mean? Convenient food, Mark, Vern. How about a black top omelet? Know what I mean? 
So like we said, it obviously to get into how huge, Ern- I mean, honestly, at one point, I don't know how many more times I can say honestly, but Ernest <laughs> was a humongous star. Like Jim Barney as Ernest was a huge, huge deal. Uh, and to get into Ernest P. World, we got to get into Jim Barney, obviously, because that's the man underneath the cap, as they say. Uh, so Jim Varney was born on June 15th, 1949 in Lexington, Kentucky. And he knew at a young age he wanted to act. As in, he actually joined the local theater when he was eight years old. And he would get parts in, like, Shakespearean plays and such. Which blows my mind. You know, just think about Varney, because you're just so used to him being earnest, literally doing Shakespeare. But we'll get into that more later. Uh, yeah, as I say, it, it, the first impression is not quite, like, class, classically trained actor. Right. Uh, not not in the slightest, but that's, but that's what he was. That's the beauty of acting, yeah, I that's guess. Exa- he actually was. <laughs> so uh, by 1967, he, he'd grown up. Uh, he would graduate high school, but uh, he wouldn't uh, go to college, really. So by 1967, he moved to New York City because he felt that's where he needed to go to kind of get a career in acting going. And in the meantime, he actually did stand-up comedy. Uh, and you can actually find some of his stand-up online if you look for it. It's uh, the the few clips that I saw, kind of seemed like they were the 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 beginnings of what Jeff Foxworthy would later become. If that makes any sense, uh, he would sort of do characters and such. Uh, but he definitely, I mean, since he was Southern, they definitely had a Southern tinge to them. The, the few clips that I saw, uh, and he would also do dinner theater because uh, those are the kind of gigs he could get. And he would do off-Broadway productions. So he would get into plays, but they, weren't, they wouldn't be on Broadway. Uh, but then, this is what blows my mind. So in between doing all this, of course, there's a lot of off time. And he would actually become a truck driver as well. And uh, so it takes. So he moves to New York City in 1967. And it takes about nine years before he actually gets a big break. And in 1976... He has his first big break, and that's this is the part that astounded me, and I don't know why I didn't remember this, but he actually became a regular on the Johnny Cash and Friends show. Yes, yep. And he was on there quite often, uh, so you can find clips of that as well. Uh, I also love Johnny Cash, and that may come back later in a future episode. I'm not going to you know, foretell anything, but that might be my next one. And uh, hint, hint, cough, 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 cough coronavirus. Cough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I found that fascinating. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot all about that, but he was he's there. And in between this, he's doing commercials. He shoots these commercials where he's like a sergeant in the army, and they're produced and made by a, an ad exec, executive named John Cherry. And this guy would come back and change Jim Barney's life forever. This is where we're going to enter Ernest P. World. John Cherry decided he needed to do something with some local ads that he was supposed to get on TV. So he he remembered he remembered Jim and he calls him up and says, "Hey, let's let's try to do something." And they come up with Ernest, this character Ernest P. World, who would always look into the camera and talk to the camera to a person you never saw named Vern. Uh, and he, Vern, technically, if you watch the commercials, is his neighbor. And he was always going over to his neighbor, Vern, and tell him about all these new different products and stuff. Uh, these commercials would become a major hit. Uh, soon, Ernest was in hundreds and hundreds of commercials. 
And he said at one point he was shooting like up to 20 commercials a day. And which is insanity. Yes. If you try, I mean, Johnny, you and I, we record two podcasts sometimes in a day. I've done three. It's not, it's exhausting. Yeah. You gotta think you gotta remember the, he's gotta remember lines and this and that. But, uh, you know, not to cut you up, but this is like really astounding because I didn't know this character started off doing commercials. Had no idea this is how it all started, and it's pretty amazing because you—I don't think we've ever seen anything like that since. To be honest with you, like some characters, they get they get a little popularity. Some like uh, like Jake from State Farm or the Geico Caveman yeah. or stuff like that, but uh, nothing, nothing like this. Uh, very, yeah. Very cool, like, backstory to him. Very, very cool. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it got really popular. And what makes it even more astounding is none of these commercials were national commercials. They were all local to different areas for these products, and they were regional. So, like, let's say he would do a car dealership commercial for one area uh, in the south, and then he would go do a different type of commercial for, like, ice cream for the north. And somehow he caught on with everyone. Uh, he would do commercials for ice cream, cars, fast food, furniture, literally you name it. There are comp- there are uh, there are different uh, compilations of his commercials you can actually find on YouTube. They're very fascinating, but they definitely scream eighties. <laughs> just just know that ahead of time. Uh, oh, very much yeah. so. <laughs> and in nineteen eighty six, uh, we actually technically get the first appearance of Ernest on the big screen. I do not remember this movie at all, but it's called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Uh, apparently it's a movie that Ernest is technically in. I don't know anything about it. I need to go watch it. But the reason that we know Ernest nationally on as a movie star is because there was an appearance. Ernest, would actually, he got so big where he was starting to make appearances. He'd go to like malls and, and, and stores and stuff and make personal appearances, you know. Uh, he actually would make right. make an appearance at the Indy 500, which is one of the biggest races in history. Uh, I seen the sta- I seen the uh, I seen the the track actually last time I went to Indianapolis. It's beautiful, uh, and it's huge. Like that's that's a big deal to be able to go there and and make an appearance. I like I yeah. was dumbfounded. I mean, humongous. I and what was this, even this more wild is, so. was that he was here with Mickey Mouse. Right, these were the two appearances at the Indy 500. And so Disney was there with Mickey Mouse. However, Jim Varney as Ernest actually got a bigger turnout. More people were going were going wild and crazy over Ernest. It, Disney definitely noticed this. Uh, they took very, you know, they they were like, "Huh, we can do something with this." So, uh, hmm, something's more popular than us. Let's yeah, <laughs> let's own them. That's kind of the Disney way, right? <laughs> Literally, that's their history. It is. <laughs> <laughs> if you're more popular than us, we will buy you. <laughs> and we will buy. You. That's good. That's what. That's what happens. They rub their hands together, <laughs> twirl their mustaches. Um, so that's what Disney does. They actually uh, sign a contract with Jim Varney and uh, and Cherry, and they decide they're going to release Ernest movies. These movies can be made cheap, and they can be made fairly quick. So, in 1987, uh, Disney releases the official first Ernest movie, Ernest Goes to Camp. John Cherry directs it, and it was a, it was a smash hit right off the bat. This thing was humongous, and they made it for really cheap, and it made way more money than it was made for. And we'll get more into that when you get into your stats. But 
Yep. Man, yep. what a what a great movie too. I remember seeing this movie, and the part that really sticks out to me is, yeah, especially when I got older and I'd go back and watch it. Yeah, it's a over the top goofy comedy, and I can and it's level and he's a lovable character, but he also has some range in this too. I mean, he gets to actually show some uh, emotion, some sadness, and some he actually gets to act a little bit. And that song he sings still destroys me, destroys my soul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to, I've got to rewatch it. I know it's I it's been a long time. Like I remember I remember bits and pieces of these movies, you know, watching them growing up, but it's been a long time. I'd have to I have to watch it fully um to kind of to, to kind of regrasp and, and retake in the emotion uh of those movies cuz uh yeah, there's something special. It's, I, I remember like little bits of that song, little bits. You want to sing it for us? Do you want to sing it for I us? I couldn't do it justice. Uh, it, <laughs> but basically the movie is he works at this camp. He like, he's kind of like the custodian in a way. He's fixes stuff up that breaks at the camp, even though he's usually the one who's breaking this stuff. Uh, and these, <laughs> this construction company comes and they want to pretty much destroy the camp to make room for what they want to build. And, uh, it gets really sad at some point because they're losing obviously. And Jim, uh, in earnest goes and sings a song while it's pouring rain. Uh, so they had everything going for it to make a really sad moment, and they succeeded. So it's a fantastic movie. Uh, but this was followed quickly. So this was in 87, and literally the next year, Ernest Saves Christmas comes out. That's how quick they can make these. And this movie is also a hit. Uh, and then that's followed. Uh, then they actually take a break. You know, finally, we can't keep putting out an Ernest movie every year, so let's wait two years. And Ernest Goes to Jail comes out in 1990. And then literally the year after that, 1991, that's when Ernest Scared Stupid comes out. So between 87 and 91, he put out four huge movies. That is insane to me. That is crazy. That is wild. Uh, you, you know, in this small window of time, putting out these movies that were quite successful. He's like the MCU. Yeah. He's like a walking, talking Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, Thanos? Uh, <laughs> so, in, uh, so, and also, during this time, Ernest got so huge that in 1998, he actually got his own Saturday morning uh, show for kids called Hey Vern, It's Ernest. It only lasted one season, however... It actually, he actually, Jim Varney won an Emmy for it. He won an Emmy for this show, for playing Ernest the character. So Ernest P. Whirl is Emmy, is an Emmy winner. Uh, which is... Well-deserved. I, I agree. Well-deserved. Yeah. And it's a wild show, by the way. If you go back and try to watch it, it is, it's like a, it's sort of like a, uh, what's the best one? Like a, it's like little skits and stuff, but for kids. So it's pretty wild to watch. Um, I re- I recall it a little bit. I feel like I, I remember watching it, you know, as a uh, as a, as a young lad, you know, but like the you know, I grew up in a time where like reruns there were were pretty prevalent, and uh, and I feel like I do remember watching bits and pieces of that, you know, from time to time. I probably on like a the like the local the local channels that usually play the old TV shows. I feel like I do remember watching that a little bit. Yeah, I definitely watched a, a few of them. I mean, I would watch that, and like I remember when Weird Al Yankovic, a feature one I want to do too, would have a sh- had a show too. So I'd watch these because I like these these characters. But how popular was Ernest? Let's kind of get into that a little bit. 
he was on greeting cards. Uh, he was on. He had his own talking doll where he'd pull the string. You know what I mean? Vern would come out of his mouth. Uh, he made appearances. <laughs> he would make appearances on everything from Roseanne, which was a humongous show at the time, uh, to The Simpsons. And the, you know you made it if you're on The Simpsons. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. He did a voice on there. And I remember that uh, I like always liked The Simpsons. Obviously, we've covered that uh, covered them before on this show. Uh, but I distinctly remember when they were advertising that Jim Varney was doing a voice of a character. And I made sure I watched that one. I made an appointment to watch that one that Sunday. I wasn't going to miss that one because Jim Varney was on there. Uh, and, <laughs> and in 1993, uh, Jim Varney actually got to play a different character. Because that's the other thing about Jim Varney. I mean, he was very grateful and thankful to get to play Ernest. But he was most certainly typecasted by it. Uh, and it was oh yeah I mean, definitely for sure considering the guy like we said came from literally could you know he literally knew Shakespeare and uh, he, he had to play this character this whole time I mean I think it would get on anybody even if it's something that made you popular you want to branch out and try some new stuff every once in a while uh, but in that well look at I mean most recently for compare sorry to cut you off again but most recently comparatively Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to be typecast as Iron Man for the rest of yeah. his life. He tried to go and he tried to be Doctor Doolittle. He tried, yes. Uh, seen the paycheck, the return, the, seen the return paycheck, and probably like, yeah, maybe they should bring you back to life in the MCU, yeah. maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that's that's a very com- that's a very common thing. It's 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 not. Uh, it, it happens more often. I think a lot of people realize. Yeah. it really does. Hugh Jackman and and, and so many others. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the thing that makes you popular can also be the thing that becomes sort of like your own mental prison in a way where you're kind of stuck in it and you don't know how to get out of it and you can't get any other jobs. But lucky, luckily for Varney, he actually would get other work eventually because in 1993, they were putting out a movie version of the Beverly Hillbillies and he actually got the part of Jed Clampett. And that's literally the reason I wanted to see that movie was because he was in it. That's the only reason I wanted to watch it. And, and it's and it's really fun. It's a fun movie. I like it. Uh, and then in 1995, enter Toy Story. Uh, he gets to become the voice of Slinky Dog. And then, uh, in what will probably be a masterpiece performance by anyone's standards, in 1998, uh, he actually co-starred beside Hulk Hogan in uh, Three Ninjas High Noon Mega Mountain. <laughs> Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that honestly made me want to go back and watch that movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever, uh, but uh, your boy's gonna have to go watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking. You want to talk about Hulk Hogan and the Mega Powers? Oh, that yeah. All right. oh. Hulk Hogan and Jim Varney. You know, forget Macho <laughs> Man. Hulk Hogan and Jim Varney. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for this. <laughs> <laughs> We need to make T-shirts now. Yes. You know what I mean, brother? <laughs> just to uh, just put like Ernest, but he's like he's wearing a like the the Hulk Hogan <laughs> rag on his head. <laughs> oh man, I'm totally photoshopping that, and I'm putting I'm sending it to. You. Okay, we're gonna get a green lit. Make tons of money. Please stay, please stay. Uh, but also during this time, of course, you sort of mentioned it a little bit, but he was still doing Ernest movies, but they were all direct to video. Disney was no longer putting them out. Him and John Cher were kind of doing it themselves in a way, and they were direct-to-video releases. He did quite a few of them. Uh, the ones that stand out to me is Rides Again and Slam Dunk Ernest, of course, because I love basketball and I love Ernest, so I had to watch that one. Uh, 
But during this time, when he started filming some of these movies, John Cherry noticed that he didn't seem, that Varney seemed uh, more tired than usual, right? And something was up. So Jim Varney goes and gets checked out. And he was a lifelong smoker. He smoked for a long, long time. And he was diagnosed with lung cancer. And in between this, he's still doing voice work for Toy Story 2. And uh, that would be one of the last things he's known for because on February 10th uh, in the year 2000, at age 50, Jim Varney would pass away from lung cancer. Uh, he, you know, his voice would come out. I think Toy Story 2 wasn't the very last thing he did. He was actually in a movie too that came out after his death a year later. But I'll get into that in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but man, what a legacy he leaves behind. Though there have been multiple books. Uh, there's a Jim Varney Day. I think the place where they where they actually shot the movie Ernest Goes to Camp, like they hold like a festival there every once in a while for for Ernest. Still to this day, I would love to go to that. Uh, There have been... uh, I really want... There's a book that came out. I don't remember the title of it. I really should have looked it up. But it's literally... It's written by... I believe it's his nephew who wrote the book. And it's apparently really, really good. Where it kind of dives into everything earnest, pretty much. And kind of wants you to learn who Jim Varney was uh, as a person. But from all accounts, from everything I heard from everybody who met him, he was nice and kind and everything you would want a person to be in a celebrity. So uh, that's Ernest. Uh, sad ending, but man, what a life, what a legacy he left behind. No, un- unbelievable. I Like like I said before, I, I l- earned so much more, like, res- like tons and tons more respect for him after reading this. Because, that, I mean, isn't that the... the, the don't they say like never meet your heroes, right? Yeah. Don't don't ever meet your heroes because, and I, that's happened to me quite a few times in the world of pro wrestling. But I feel like Ernest is the kind of guy where, you know, if you did meet him, he'd make you feel special. You did. He didn't let the Hollywood uh, bug really get to him. You know, the I'm better than you type of uh, mentality kind of get, and it's it's a it's just like a lost lost trait, I, I, I guess. Like I feel like I know him on a personal yeah. level after. After li- one listening to you, to spe- you know, listening to you speak, and then two, doing you know all the homework and, and whatnot for this episode, I feel like I know him as a person, and uh, it's kind of it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, th- pretty good feeling. It is. It, it's. Yeah, he was interviewed once when Ernest was really popular. I think this is even before the movies, but when the commercials were huge, and they asked him, "Why do you think Ernest is such a huge hit?" and he was like, "I think per- people just relate to the character. They know somebody who's like that, or they are." that person it's one or the other and he's right you know somebody who's earnest or you are earnest it's one or the other uh yeah 100 percent true yeah and it's not at all a negative thing because who doesn't love earnest i mean you know man uh but let's matt i hope you're ready let's get into some matt's stats looks like you're turning into quite the little shopper so you got your fresh produce and your fresh meat and your country fresh milk Country fresh, Vern. Fresh from the country. Country, fresh, fresh, country. Catch my drift? That's why they call it country fresh. Now, it don't take no mental heavyweight to figure that out, does it, Vern? Know what I mean? All right, everybody. Welcome to the Mad Stats portion of this show. 
Uh, I'm very excited to talk some Jim Varney stats with all of you. Now, I'm just a couple different ways to go about it. It's going to be similar. Uh, it's it's a little difficult when it comes to like uh, non-business things to get pull out some stats, but of course we can always. Uh, there's always something we can do. So, uh, first and foremost, as Johnny mentioned, his first television appearance was Pop Goes. Or excuse me, Johnny Johnny Cash and Friends. I'm sorry, Johnny Cash and Friends. Uh, Pop Goes the Country. He's done like just been all over the place. Uh, Fernwood Tonight. Those are some of his earlier appearances. Um, Alice, Operation Petticoat, Pink Lady, Spitting Image, the Ro- the the Rousters, uh, and just so much more in between. The last films that he actually did. Uh, I think Toy Story 2 was the last one that he was alive for upon release. Uh, And, of course, he also voiced a character in the video games. But um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, another Disney movie, uh, he voiced Cookie for the video game and the movie. Those are his last, some of his last appearances, as well as Daddy and Them from 2001. Played a character named Hazel Montgomery. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, his, his list of credentials, you could tell the, you know, once he like hit his prime, he was really, really focused on entertaining chill, like kids, right? Very few and far between adult roles, but many of many of you know the things that he did were aimed at entertaining kids. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these movies, and it, like it's, <laughs> I'm looking at Slam Dunk Ernest and uh, <laughs> like Duck Man, Private Duck Family Man, uh, you know, just like just these weird like just kid oriented show Annabelle's Wish. That's a cult classic right there. Uh, you know, he did the Hercules show, Treehouse Hostage, but he he made a life and he devoted it to entertaining kids, and that's what I admire the most. Of course, he's had appearances on The Simpsons, and you mentioned Roseanne and 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 several other you know several other shows. But uh, as far as being an actor, fifty six uh, different productions. All right, so that's between video games, television, and and cinema. All right, commercials. When it comes to how many commercials that he's been a part of, uh, the exact number is not like known exactly, but it's there's roughly around three thousand commercials. <laughs> That's wild, <laughs> right? Three thousand. I mean, think of the kickback. Think of the kickback. A, l- a large amount of them because the Ernest character was, you know, had, had this. Uh, I'm not gonna say he was like a stereotype in a way, but he was more. Yeah, he was more into dairy products, let's just say, for advertising dairy products. But he did stuff, you know, all sorts of, of different, uh, uh, you know, di- advertise all sorts of different things. Uh, but, like, I know I know, I watched a couple with ice cream and, uh, you know, and, and the way he did it, too, was really fantastic. He would, like, fall off ladders and stuff or have his fingers slammed in a house. He did. I know I watched him do, like, a Sprite commercial. Uh, just wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, it, it just just very funny, just very simplistic and funny. But I mean, when you're making 20 commercials a day, uh, it's you know it's 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 pretty impressive that that kind of number. Uh, box office history for Ernest movies. Now, the actual production budget is so low they actually don't have it on this website that I usually use for for um, for garnering in money. All right. And I, I feel bad. I, I apologize for that, that I couldn't find production budgets. But that's what it was. It was so low, uh, you know. And Ernest, like Ernest himself, he's not gonna. He's not asking for a, a huge, hefty price. Like his net worth is is like I know it's so, it's it sounds small compared to a lot of other celebrities. His like net worth was only like twelve million dollars. I'd love twelve million dollars myself, but yeah. 
Uh, as far as the world of celebrities go, and as big of a name as he was, twelve million is not a whole lot of money. No, not really. Um, no, it's it's very it's very meager. So, but yeah, I don't know what the production budget was, but it was very low. They used you know a lot of original like people. I think pe- more so people breaking out uh, into roles when it came with the Ernest movies. Like they weren't people asking for a huge amount of money, but they all did very very like very very well from you know for. You know Disney and, and just every just everything all around. Uh, so for the first one, Ernest goes to camp. That was the very first movie made, May twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. Had an opening weekend of six million one hundred seventy one thousand nine hundred fifty seven dollars. So, uh, so I mean that's opening weekend, and then in total it earned twenty three million five hundred nine thousand three hundred eighty two thousand uh, dollars. One thing I'm noticing here is that these movies did not get released worldwide they were only like united states uh because i'm looking at domestic box office and worldwide box office so he's uh a national star imagine if he would have went international a little bit if if that was the plan but um yeah according to this he's not he like his movies is is nothing like that ever really broke out of the united states uh november 11th 1988 Ernest saves christmas had an opening weekend of five million seven hundred and ten thousand seven hundred thirty four dollars with a domestic box office gain and worldwide of twenty eight thousand two hundred two thousand wait twenty eight million two hundred two thousand one hundred nine dollars. Uh, that's actually his highest grossing movie ever. Ernest Saves Christmas, and understandably so. It's still getting picked up and played to this day. Uh, his second highest grossing was Ernest Goes to Jail. Came out April sixth, nineteen ninety, uh, with the opening weekend of six million one hundred and forty three thousand dollars and a domestic and worldwide box office of twenty five million twenty nine thousand five hundred and sixty nine and then uh they kind of the movies took a hit as far as uh you know gains it it, it dropped it was a pretty big dip unfortunately uh, on october 11th 1991 Ernest scared stupid came out uh opening weekend of four million dollars a little over four million dollars and a domestic uh and worldwide box office of fourteen million. $143,000. And the last one that they have a stats for is Ernest Rides Again. doesn't have an opening weekend. It was direct to VHS, uh, but it gained a box office of $1,433,500. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure where, you know, it, it, it could be just, like you said, just, just tied to the character, maybe just a little bit of exhaustion. And like you said, uh, when you're coming out with a new movie every year, it's hard to stay. It's hard to stay relevant, right? It's 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 hard to stay um, fresh. Keep people interested. Fresh, yeah. exactly. So uh, it might have, yeah. I mean, he he did a good. He, regardless of of you know the domestic domestic box office numbers by the end, uh, he turned doing something very simple. Uh, and and these, again, these movies still made out. They still made great money. Uh, you know he. He did pretty good for himself, I would say. Uh, you know, now every nowadays every movie, some kind of high end production budget. You need special effects. There's a legit like army of people working on the movies, and it seems like it was very lo- like low key, very you know very simple. Like uh, the first was it Halloween? I think the first Halloween movie was it had a very low budget and it made it, it was so simply shot and it just made a ton of money. Uh, so. And I think that's the strength in Ernest, right? The the little guy, I guess, in a way. Uh, you know, competing with, with titles like 
like Jurassic Park and, and, and all these all these huge blockbuster movies that came out in this time frame. Uh, there's no Star Wars in the time frame, but there's there's plenty of big big time movies around you know between eighty seven and ninety three, and he still made he still made a, a living, an honest living, and he still uh, had you know was was keeping up finance you know money wise as far as income from the the movies. So uh, a remarkable career, but. I think I think that's all. Yeah, I think that's all we got here for Matt Stats today. Um, as I mentioned, his net worth is about twelve million dollars, and uh, uh, but yeah, that is that is that. Let's head on over to Johnny's. Did you know? The old buddy Ernest and put down that Mountain Dew and start drinking better tasting Mellow Yellow. You know, Burns, the one with a little splash of juice, the one that beat Mountain Dew in the taste test. So, Vern, make the mellow yellow move. Know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty smooth, huh? Vern! Vern! My, my, my hand, Vern! That's right. For the Ernest, did you know, Vern? Uh, Ernest, uh, Jim Varney himself, could actually recite Shakespeare on a whim. Uh, he actually would have to wear disguises when he went out. If he just wanted to like go to lunch or something, he had to wear a disguise. Because if people recognized him, uh, he would get swamped by fans. Uh, when he moved to New York City, he only had $65 in his pocket. Oh, my God. That's brave. <laughs> that That's very brave. And, like, I'm even trying to think of, like, inflation and stuff. Yeah. Wait, what? Hold on. Hold on yeah. a second. Hold yeah, on put that second. in the thing. We what were... year did he... What did it, What year did he move? It was uh, 19... Uh, hold on, I have it in my notes. I said it earlier. 1967. <laughs> 1967, and how much was the amount? $65. Oh, boy. Uh, it's about it's about $499. It's four ninety eight ninety six to be exact. So he probably had enough to, like, find so, a place for a month. <laughs> Maybe. That, Actually, no, I don't know. New York City is really expensive. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, honestly, I stayed at a hotel in New York City once. It was probably a little bit more than half of this half of what the inflated amount is so oh boy that's that's something <laughs> yes. but you know that's the be- side note that's the beauty of new york city right because you you got to hustle out there yeah. if you want to stay alive and keep paying your bills so yes uh yeah for sure and I, I feel like he would do very good a guy like him would do very good like being one of those like street entertainers or whatever street performers that that uh new york city has so much of but uh, oh, you think, yeah. you think he'd be that right. singing naked cowboy? <laughs> I think he could. I think he could. I think he'd pull it off really well. He'd be better than the knockoff like superheroes that I see. Oh, around. yeah, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, man. <laughs> like, like, sorry, man. You're just. You're, I'm not buying you as Wolverine. You just. I'm not giving you money. Please, please get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, also, uh, apparently, some parents. We're not happy with the Ernest commercials because they scared their kids. Uh, some kids were what? scared by the Ernest commercials. Apparently, if you ever watched them, they're very they're shot in a way where it's like a high angle almost, and Jim Varney's face is kind of coming at you a couple of times. That's the only thing I can. Th- oh, the fisheye, the fisheye lens. Yes, yep, yeah. fisheye lens. Yep. Yeah. So that's the only thing I can think of that would maybe scare kids, but I don't know why they'd be scared. It's a, but yeah, so they would complain a little bit. Also, though, on the opposite end of that. He got so popular in commercials that people would actually call TV stations just to ask when the next Ernest ad would appear. 
you know, and Ooh. and today we're like we don't want ads at all. <laughs> we're mad when <laughs> we're mad when our YouTube videos interrupted for fifteen seconds. Uh, but you know, back then Ernest was so big, people were wanting to see more Ernest. Uh, a, a, Toyo- wow. a, a Toyota dealership, just to give you an idea of how huge Ernest was as an ad machine, a Toyota dealership in Virginia uh, made a commercial with Ernest, and after it aired, they legit saw a fifty percent sales increase. After that's the insane. that is wild. <laughs> that's a, I mean that's a lot of pulling power, and, and, and like you said too, people hate commercials nowadays. Yeah. You know. Uh, the way you you know a commercial resonates you sometimes with with you is being annoying. Yeah. Uh, but now like you, you never see like a huge jump with from some you know in sales from a commercial like that. I'm like astounded. Like I wish I would have got to live through this to really like understand what it was about. But oh, it, it, it's like those like quick YouTube stars. Yeah. Uh, you know, just kind of showing up. They get popular, and then all of a sudden they're all over our televisions advertising. McDonald's and, 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 and random stuff, but no, this is this is very impressive, like to think how much how much draw he had. Bro bro is the triple H of commercials. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Triple H of commercials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh and also uh Ernest, there were more Ernest movies planned, but of course they didn't get made due to his death. Uh one of those being Ernest Goes to Space, which I would have loved to see. Oh, oh now I'm mad. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean it's selfish, but I, like I want to see. Yeah, same, same. So I want to see that. Uh, so that's <laughs> the uh, Ernest. Did you know, Verns? Let's talk about Ernest' lasting uh, appeal to pop culture today. Hey, Vern, I see you brought the youngins in for a double dip of that bronze ice cream. They're humongous, ain't they? And big too. Let old Ernest help, okay? Now let's see. Who got the vanilla? Who got the butter pecan? And who got the strawberry? And Vern, I bet you got the chocolate. Don't you want yours, Vern? Well, pay the lady. I, I, for me, he's always going to be there. But I'm an older person now. So I'm very curious right. what younger people think or even know i think they would be more likely to remember him from the original uh two toy story movies more than anything if you say slinky dog then oh yeah people will know that right like that's yeah they'll know that for sure so i think he's probably now more known for that than Ernest. in my opinion i could be wrong on that but for me it's definitely Ernest. uh i think what he represents will be around forever as in a character that will become endearing uh, you know, um, like, especially in the 90s, it was very much the the era of characters, right? You had Ernest, you had Screech, you had Urkel, you know, you had all these characters yeah. who took off. Um, and it's, you know, it's it can be sad, too, for these actors who want to try other things and they get typecasted. But, you know, I am beyond grateful for Ernest P. World personally, because I really truly feel that those movies helped shape my sense of humor, uh, which is sadly one of my biggest selling points <laughs> as a human being. But uh, it's <laughs> when it comes to pop culture, though, I'm very curious 
where younger people place him or if they even know who he is. Uh, I, I I know they're doing a better job of uh, getting his name out there. Like I said, his nephew wrote a book. John Cherry still kind of gets his name out there. Jim Varney's name out there. He runs the uh, Jim Varney Facebook page and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so, he's, so, you know, Ernest is getting back on social media and such, which I'm very grateful for. Because I think it'd be a shame if Ernest was forgotten. Uh, there's so much... 100%. I mean, there's, 100%. If, if I was ever to have children, uh, you bet, you, you better bet your, uh, you better bet your, 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 uh, your vest that I'm going to show them some earnest movies. And, yeah. And you know what? I think, uh, I, I think that's why what my, when my wife was like, eh, uh, you know, about watching Ernest Day's Christmas, that Christmas with my family, that, that that's what irked me about it is because. You know, I appreciated his work and I appreciated all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, just, just stop, <laughs> just stop. Yeah. Don't like, don't disrespect the man. Like, I, I, I can't wait to have kids and show them earnest movies, right? Yeah. Uh, it, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to to having that, uh, having that. Yeah, I, I really think that if you were to show kids earnest movies today, they would love them. Uh, I really truly feel that. Uh, you know, it's. I was listening to another podcast. And they were talking about Space Jam, right? The the Michael Jordan Bugs Bunny movie that came out in the mid nineties. And by today's standards, as an adult, if you're just watching it, you're like, yeah, this is just a really dumb, goofy movie. But one of the guys on there watched it with his kids, and he talked about how uh, when he was younger and he watched it by himself, he he had to pretend that he liked it, right? Because he loved basketball uh, and he loved Bugs Bunny, so he had to pretend that he liked it, even though he really didn't. However, when he watched it with his kids. He saw how much his kids just loved that movie, right? They loved the basketball in it. They loved Bugs Bunny. Uh, you know, they loved the Looney Tunes. They loved Michael Jordan. They loved everything about it. And they would ask him questions and stuff. And he said that he he now loves the movie because he was able to watch it with his kids. And he saw the effect the movie had on his children. I kind of think, actually, I know that Jim Varney as Ernest would do the same today. Uh, you know, if kids watch this today... How could you not love Ernest? Uh, man, always meant well. Just a lovable goof. I mean, what a great character that is. So I think that character trope will be around forever. Uh, you know, I think a lot of your movies and shows, when they have a cast, have at least one character who's sort of a, a lovable goof who's always meaning well but probably messes up and he has to fix his own mistakes kind of thing, you know? Uh <laughs> So I kind of think that trope will be around for a long time. And I'm sure Ernest wasn't the first one to do that. But he definitely perfected it. So I think he'll be around for at least his 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 uh, his sense of character will be around for a long, long time. No, I uh, I like that, Johnny. That was great. Uh, and uh, I, I fully agree and hope so. Uh, Ernest, to me, for as far as pop culture goes, he represents a era, I think... Uh, long gone, right? Uh, when kids' shows and movies were very, they were directed almost. At, they were directed at kids. Uh, I I'll watch some like adult or excuse me, some kids' shows now, and I can't believe some of the stuff that like gets slid into the like these. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a boomer or anything, but it's <laughs> it's it's true. Like there's almost like there's no almost no innocence in, in kids' movies anymore. 
it's it's almost gone. It's very hard to find. I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's almost a reflection of our society that, you know, kids these days are playing Grand Theft Auto at six, seven years old and uh, cell phones at six, seven years old. Like, their kids are, like, being forced to almost grow up too fast with some of the content. Yeah. And I, I think mean, Barney even, was it was – Even, I mean, just to make what? your point, even uh, cartoons – the kids would watch because I do because I love SpongeBob SquarePants. I think it's very funny, uh, especially the 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 older episodes, uh, the original ones. Uh, but there's a lot yeah. of more adult humor that kids just wouldn't get that's in there. Yeah, it's like it's like it's it's strange. It's very strange, and it is like almost forcing kids to kind of grow up. Like I remember growing up with cartoons and stuff, and they were just very innocent. They were very innocent, yeah, aside from like <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Like I can't, yeah. I can't believe anybody any parent let their kid watch Red and Stimpy uh but G.I. Joe G.I. Joe literally uh, never shot anyone <laughs> <laughs> they never shot a single person ever <laughs> right and the, the, like the old Spider-Man cartoon like they never showed like somebody getting hurt or like dying I, I got on it and Ernest like represents like that old era of, of protecting I guess kids innocence uh, I guess when it comes to the, what's on TV almost like a Mr. Rogers type in his own unique way uh, and like I said, it's just that's just gone. Uh, it, it's kids don't get to experience that. So I appreciate uh, Ernest and, and and Jim's work for that reason completely. Uh, to me though, I, I do got to say this. To me, like learning about him, it was actually almost inspi- It was inspiring doing this episode. Here's a guy who struggled to, uh, you know, he he got into got into stand up. It wasn't really working out for him and he caught like a lucky he was being consistent right being just persistent just constantly going chugging forward uh a guy who was on like the last legs of his career he's ready to give up i think i seen he it, I, he was doing like construction uh after yeah, something was. something went through after something went through and he was re- he was just ready to give up he had to provide for his family and then he caught this this huge break uh you know he, he he played it safe, but he still like did what he wanted to do, and it paid off in dividends for him. And like I said, he had a nearly twenty, probably, but it was about a twenty-year career, twenty, a little bit under twenty-year career playing the Ernest character, and it paid off dividends for him. I, I, I think just per, like to never give up, I guess, on a dream. Uh, that, that's I think what most mostly resonates with me. I think a lot of people things get too hard and. The things that they love to enjoy, they they stop loving it, uh, you know, because things aren't the way they want it to be just yet. And his again, his persistence was very very inspiring to me. Uh, you know, as you know, as a podcast, just any, and as somebody who just likes to enjoy hobbies and doesn't live to go to work and and this and that. It's it's not about uh, it's just yeah, just to stay with it and, and stay the course, and, and hopefully good things come your way, and they most certainly did for uh, for Varney. Yeah, I think that applies to anybody who kind of has a passion for anything that's creative in any sort of way. Yeah, without a doubt. I hope people can take something from this episode, and, and, and the same way we're, you know, we are. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's Ernest P. Whirl. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Retro Pop, Matt. Do you want to give a hint as to what we're going to do next? I, we didn't discuss this beforehand, so I may be putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, actually, I've been thinking about it. Except we, you and I have talked about a couple different scenarios, a couple different things I wanted to do. But 
I'm not really good at giving hints, let alone, you know, taking them. So I'm just going to come out and say it, everybody. Our next episode, we're going to talk about the shopping mall, the history of the shopping mall. Nice. Uh, one of the 80s and 90s most uh, – uh, something I just identify with those eras, and I think it's a lost art nowadays. So we're going to talk about the history of the shopping mall, how it came to, you know, how it became one of the most popular hangout spots and uh, for a lot of people and you know we've seen it in movies and and so much more and uh so i'm really excited to to dive into this uh this this history of uh of shopping malls so it should be a good time i'm looking forward to uh talking to it with you so that so you heard it here first uh for our next episode make sure you bring your credit card because we're going shopping uh in the meantime for matt johnson i'm johnny towns and thank you for listening to retro pop so go pop yourself is that appropriate <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Until next time. Hey, Anthony. Yeah, Chris? You hear any new podcasts lately? Uh, yeah, I have. Like what? Retroblist. You had that ready to go. Like, almost like you knew I was going to ask you this. I sort of kind of did. It was like an ESP feeling. What's Retroblist? Retroblist is a retro video game podcast presented by Johnny and Trevor where they talk about everything from retro gaming, retro consoles. They each week review a different video game that they have played. Uh, majority of the time it is retro, like on the actual console itself, from Sega Dreamcast to Super Nintendos to... Um, I think they recently started playing on a Nintendo Switch. Where can I find this podcast? Uh, you can find it at bicbp radiocom Sweet.